All right. Well, the Knicks win three in a row now uh, with a victory over the Toronto Raptors at, no, in Toronto, Canada last night. As I'm recording, it's the night of, it's the next night, Saturday, December 2nd. Talking Knicks Raptors in this show. Let's get into it. Episode 587 of BD4. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. was a good win. Let's talk about it here in episode, what, 587 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA, Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Great fight card tonight, by the way. Um, I'm your host, RJ. If you want to subscribe to the podcast or just listen to these episodes, maybe you want to download these episodes, well, you can find this podcast, uh, of course, on Apple Podcasts, where you can give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, you can also watch the video edit of these episodes on YouTube or Spotify. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, that'd be great, too. Um, and if you can follow us on social media, that'd be wonderful. We're all over. Uh, if you want to support the channel on Venmo, all that information is in the description of these episodes. BD4blog.com. It's our website where we have the blog. Let's talk Knicks Raptors, because that's what we're here for. The Knicks took a 119-106 win, an impressive win, over the Raptors last night. It felt good, man. It did. Um, I'm not going to say this was like a huge win against the top team, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Pistons game. Considering this was the second of a back-to-back and, you know, the first game against the Pistons where the Knicks had to work, you know, harder than they should have and bust their ass in the fourth quarter to beat Sewer Trash, considering that, considering that Randall was questionable, but he plays through a bad knee, uh, considering Toronto usually is a team who plays the Knicks very tough. Um, So to blow them out by, to beat them by 13 points in the end felt very good. You know, the Knicks beat them up. They bullied them with their strength. Um, 
you know, Toronto's got length, but Hart, Randall, Hartenstein even, using their mass and their physicality. Um, the, the effort in the second half was incredible. Uh, late third quarter was when the Knicks won the game. Um, so it was just a very, very strong all-around performance by a uh, by Tom Thibodeau's Knicks, right? And you could see, right, in the first quarter of this game that um, the Knicks were ready. They scored the first seven points. Um, there were moments, you know, they were leaving a little bit too much airspace once again, but Randall kept it up. He was keeping the Knicks in the game early. Brunson knocks down a couple threes, and the Knicks go into the second up 34-26. Um, second quarter comes. Toronto makes another push. They even take a lead. Uh, the Knicks were missing out on, on 50-50 balls, defensive rebounds. Couldn't buy a stop. They were giving a little too much airspace to Barnes. But R.J. Barrett's able to tie the game 57-57. Um, just a strong take to the rack, draws contact, finishes at the free throw line as well to convert the N one. Um, and it's yeah, it's fifty seven all at halftime. Third quarter, the Knicks much better defense to start. They're getting stops. They're grabbing those deep, grabbing those defensive rebounds, scoring in transition. They take an eight point lead. Toronto still not going away. Uh, the Knicks, again, at moments, a little slow defensively, letting up some offensive rebounds, extra possessions, but it never lasted long. Uh, Randall and Hart, they start showing some chemistry together late third quarter, and then Josh Hart gets red hot when he drops 15 straight points for the Knicks. Um, and the Knicks enter the fourth quarter up 90-77. Toronto does make an early run, but the Knicks... Behind some big three-point shooting, put the game to bed. Quickly knocks one down. Randall knocked another one down in the fourth. Dante, uh, at least three more threes in the fourth quarter. My gosh, he was on one. And um, we'll talk about it all. The Knicks win 119-106 to last night in Toronto um, to wrap up their final regular season game before they ramp up this tournament thing again. They start the second round of the quarterfinal round, I guess, of the NBA Cup next week. So with that said, let's dive into some things here. Um, as soon as we return, we'll, we'll hit on some things and get into the usual stuff that we do on the show here. Talking New York Knicks, Toronto Raptors last night at, at I keep wanting to say at the Garden, in Toronto, when the Knicks win 119-106, we'll be right back here on BD4. Stay with us. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Um, I'm going to have to sneeze. <laughs> God, I hate that. Um, Let's start with the offense. The offense last night clicked. And it's been clicking. It's been clicking on all cylinders lately. Uh, they scored 119 points yesterday. 
50% shooting from the field, 44% from three, 81% on their free throws. In the last four games, they are sixth in offensive rating, um, dropping 116 points a night. Uh, and they're up to number 11. They're 11th in offense on the season. So they've been good, man. And, and Brunson's been on fire. This is the thing. He's been on, he's been so hot from three-point land. I, I was going to say lately, but really all season. Um, his pull-up game from three has been ridiculous. So last night what you saw was you saw Toronto making a conscious effort to take that away. right? You saw them use their length to their advantage by playing aggressive up at the level with hard hedges, and they weren't really playing drop much. So the Knicks had some trouble with that early on, adjusting to that. Um, they were trying to push the pace. That wasn't always there. They lost the transition game. Um, they weren't really screening with guards much either to force the switch to negate that style of defense that Toronto was playing. Um, they did have that one Dante step-up screen for Brunson early on, but for the most part, what the Knicks ended up doing to beat up Toronto's defense was the, mostly just going to Randall, letting him draw two to the ball, the defense collapses in, and he kicked out. His playmaking last night, it was probably Randall's best game of the season. Um, maybe not numbers-wise. Like he only had 20 points, but he almost had a he almost had a triple double. But just the way he played, um, using his brute strength to to bump Toronto defenders off of him, you know, putting his shoulder to their chest, driving, getting to his spots in the post. He was able to create passing lanes this way, using his gravity when he's posting and driving from face up, even. You know, it, it was Really nice to see the display he put on. And he was creating offense, open looks for other guys, but his teammates were also helping him out, moving off the ball. Dante was relocating for him. Josh Hart, again, third quarter, a lot of cutting, a lot of spotting up for him. Um, we know Brunson does that a lot with Julius. He just, I, I thought Randall was very key to the Nick offense. Um, to them, they had... 30 assists, I think. And it was, yeah, he was just playing very decisive. He seemed to be in control the entire time. He had a plan and he stuck with it, right? There was no extra garbage that you'll see from him, like no careless moves, no Tasmanian devil spin move, um, limiting the jump passes. He, he was passing out of his doubles very effectively making quick floor reads and yeah, great job by him. And again, great job by the Nick guards relocating for him, cutting into open space, Hart, Dante Brunson, RJ. Um, and of course he was scoring the ball, pounding the paint, some free throws, finishing at the basket, which he has been on fire at the basket ever since that slow start. Um, and, and I'm noticing when he gets to the inside, he's also been going to that little fallback jumper, that little fadeaway. You know, he, he's making the jump shots on the move. Those are falling. He's just got to work on his perimeter shooting because that's the last piece for me. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. 
maybe the, the shooting's just not dropping this year. He's never been a great shooter. I know that, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's 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 there's a hitch in in his you know two shot motion because he's not like a fluid one shot shooter, one motion shooter. He's got a little dip and. I don't know, man. He's when he catches the ball on the perimeter and he has the space and he has some time, he's just not knocking those ones down. Um, but if he can start knocking down his shots, it's only it's only dangerous for the twenty nine other teams in this league. Right? The Knicks ceiling could be even higher if Randall's knocking down his jump shot. Then maybe I see them as a fifty plus win team. Right now, I'm I'm still leaning closer to 45, but um, if Randall's knocking down shots, you know, and and again, it wasn't just Randall playmaking last night either. The Knicks moved the ball well, 30 assists. Brunson, RJ, Randall, all three of them, five assists or more. I mean, we don't see that happen often, you know. So, like we said, with, with Toronto trying to take the Brunson three ball away. He kept finding his teammates too. He he and he's he's getting there, man. He's finally well, he's got there. He's found that balance. You know, earlier in the season it was a struggle for him finding that balance between scoring and distributing. That was an issue. In his first ten games, he was only averaging four point three assists to two point two turnovers. In his last nine games since, he's averaging six point nine assists on one point seven turnovers. So He's found it, you know, and I very much enjoyed the ball movement last night, you know, with the length that Toronto has, they, the Knicks couldn't just ISO all night. They had to keep it moving. So props to them. I liked what I saw in the half court uh, with this offense and, and, and transition as well. Um, so, yeah, that's going to lead us into um, our first award of the night. And, uh, of course, I'm giving Julius the game ball. Bing bang. Um, I mean, we just talked about him, so it's kind of hard to, yeah, we said everything we needed to. Um, yeah, another great effort. 20 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists, shot eight of 15 from the floor, seven of 11 inside the arc, three of three on his foul shots. Um, Randall didn't have a single 20 point game in the first six games of his season. Well, since then, in 13 games, he scored 20 and 12 of them, averaging 24, 10, and 6 on 47%. So he's found it, man. He's it's not been quite at the level he was last year, all NBA type, but it's been effective, man. And, and he that's his it's now his third game ball this season. And it's a great effort from him last night, considering when, again, he he didn't he was questionable. He was playing on a bad knee. Um, and he's also cutting a little bit. We, we talked about that. We've said it before, and I'll keep saying it, but, yeah, he's cutting more this year. I'm noticing that. I saw, I want to say I saw at least two more cuts that I loved, like effortful cuts, if that's a word, from Julius last night. The first cut I liked was Brunson. This was earlier in the game. I don't know if it was first or second quarter. Brunson drives from the right wing. Randall cuts from the opposite wing. Brunson misses. Randall grabs the offensive rebound off the miss. 
puts it back for the M1. So without that cut that he makes, those three points aren't happening, and it's maybe a Toronto possession the other way. And the second one was actually pretty funny. It was like one minute left in the game, and you could hear Tibbs scream, Julius Middle! And <laughs> the game was already over, but he makes the cut. And, um, yeah. So, good game from Julius last night. And uh, as we go to the bench, we'll, we'll move to the bench and hand out um, our game ball to Dante DiVincenzo. 21 points last night, 7 of 10 from the floor, uh, 7 of 9 from 3. Uh, he was excellent. That's now four game balls on the season for Dante. And I think um, right behind quickly for, for the leader off the bench, maybe on the team. Um, no, he might be. No, he's a little less than that. But he's the second. He's got the second most game balls off the bench. Um, just playing well, man. You know, you could see he's playing. He plays with a swagger. Plays with a swagger. Confidence. That big ragu confidence. Um, I like that move he made on Barnes last night where he pump fakes him. Side dribble left. Pulls up for three. You know, he was feeling it. You could tell the confidence was that he took that 30-footer. He airballed it, but took it. He felt himself, man. He's been hot lately. Had a slow start to the season, but the shootings came around. It's been great. Uh, and he's playing sound defense, too. He's not really getting uh, caught gambling a ton either lately. He's playing more sound defense and being more conservative. Um, but, yeah, he's been fantastic. That was such a performance from him last night. He's got a nice arc to a shot. It's just a very clean form, and the ball just... I don't know how to describe it. It just looks nice when it's going in. Huh. Just consistently knocking down shots lately. That, that's good to see because I was, you know, he, I thought he was leaving a little left to be desired, but he's found it lately, of course, right after I said all that. Um, but, yeah, <clears throat> and I was going to give the game ball to Hart from off the bench um, because, <clears throat> honestly, it could you could you could go either way. Uh, the Nova Knicks have been playing great, right? Um I just chose to give it to Dante. You could give it to either. But Hart's Hart's playing well, too. In the same amount, he's been finding it lately in the same amount of games, right? The last two games, he's been hot. Continues to play well. Ever since those comments, he's been finding his rhythm. And you could make a case that last night was the best game of the season for Josh Hart. Um, Yeah, he completely took over the game and dominated that third quarter with... With 15 straight points. Good God. Um, yeah, using his strength to his advantage last night, his size. He was using that defensively on the ball, on the glass, grabbing rebounds by going up strong and securing it with two hands. There was a great example of that, of, of just an excellent example of how good he is at hunting rebounds, where I think it was late fourth quarter where he just goes up in the middle of traffic and he, and he uses both hands. He kind of, you know, waves the ball away from, from Toronto defenders trying to grab it from him. Um, and he, he rebounds and then he, and then he pushes the pace, right? He pushes the tempo, gets downhill the full court fast. That helps the Knicks get into their sets early in the shot clock. Um, yeah, so he's playing well too. He, he Also, when he's on, he's playing with that swagger, right? That swagger. 
that confidence, that cockiness in a way. You know, it's 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 good to see that type of Josh Hart back because that was the guy who thrived with the Knicks last season. You know, less hesitant lately. You know, Toronto was they were playing off him a little bit like everyone else does, but he was attacking it. He was attacking those closeouts, um, which he that's what he needs to do. He took some open threes and attacked some closeouts and went to the basket, made quick decisions, and he did that with confidence. So I I like the game that Josh Hart played too. We are going to head to break real briefly, and when we get back, I do want to talk a little bit more about the Nick defense. Um, yeah, so we'll do that as soon as we return for break here on BD4, episode 587. Stay with us here on the podcast. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And the Knicks, triumphant in Toronto last night for their 12th win to go 12 and 7 now, to move to 12 and 7 on the year. I, the defense, well, here's the thing. The rebounding thing is a little weird for me. Um, well, praise the defense in literally two seconds, but I'm not concerned about the rebounding. I think they'll be okay. Um, but it is a little frustrating. Like, it feels like ever since the Phoenix game, maybe even the Miami game prior to, that the Knicks have been very shaky on the defensive glass. Um, they're just allowing a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, again, Toronto does have length, but the Knicks seem to be losing that battle a lot lately. They're losing a ton of those 50-50 balls that they usually grab. They're usually a team who's so good at limiting those second opportunities and ending possessions right there on the spot. One shot and it's over for you. That's been their identity. So I just hope it's a little blip and it's just, you know, how the game works, but yeah, they need their rebounding. They need to find that soon because they've got, you know, quite possibly the biggest front court of all time coming up on Tuesday uh, in the Bucks. So if they don't start rebounding better, uh, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere without their rebound being elite. That's, that's their identity, man. Um, but yeah, they, they need to get that back soon because, Toronto took 10 more shots than the Knicks did last night. That's not Nick-like. They usually win the possessions. They usually win the shot attempt game. Um, but, yeah, Phoenix, Miami, Detroit, Toronto, it, it's been a problem for the Knicks rebounding in a lot of those games. So, um, The defense as a whole remains solid, right? That continues to be their strength. Um, I thought the Knicks did a very good job in the half court navigating screens and fighting over. Uh, Josh Hart and, and Quentin Grimes made a conscious effort of doing that. I, I thought from the get-go, they closed out hard. And um, Mitchell Robinson playing solid defense continuously. Five more stocks last night, four steals and a block. I, I felt like his presence was known. I felt like Toronto missed a lot of bunnies at the rim because of Mitch. Uh, but when they took him to the perimeter, he was aggressive, active hands, 
arms out wide, high contests, poking it loose from guards and pick and roll, sealing off the pass lanes. And Man, the threat that Mitchell Robinson poses down there, just as a threat, it's so funny to me because, like you saw last night, Toronto tried drawing Mitch out to the perimeter to clear out the key of Mitch so they could get Barnes posting down there with nobody at the rim. Like, just because he's such a threat. And they did it for, you know, even with iHeart out there too. Um, so credit to him. He's been holding his own. But, yeah, the threat this guy possesses. And, and on the perimeter too, you know. Defending out and pick and roll continues to impress the shit out of me. Um, he poked the ball loose from Trent Jr. Then he gets over to him and contests his miss. Um, and then just a few times, again, where he's doing two things at once. Not many bigs are able to play two like he does in pick and roll, where he's backtracking but also keeping up with both the ball handler and the screener. Um, actually, Josh Hart, late in the first quarter yesterday, did a great job defending in the point of attack, where he was defending DHO between Precious Achua and um, Scotty Barnes. And he did a very nice job of playing too. Um, because it, it was how it was in the second half, maybe, or no, it was in the it was in the first quarter. Yeah. Where it was a possession where Toronto has the ball on the left wing and Hart's just staying connected by playing the passing lanes, disrupting the screener, but also gluing on Barnes at the same time. Uh, and eventually he ends up one-on-one with Barnes and, and post up, and he does a great job defending him using his size. So, uh, yeah, the Knicks, Brunson, I mean, two more, two more last night. Uh, huge balls this kid's got. Uh, the dude is a physical player. He's a physical defensive player for a guy who's, you know, they list him as 6'2", but there's no way he's 6'2". Uh, I want to say he's like 5'11 on a good day. Um, huge balls taking charges. Uh, and he, it feels like it's, it's like twice a night. He, he leads the league. I forget how many, but it feels like it's twice a night. Um, and it's, it's, you know, last night, um, at least the first one he drew similar to how he's been doing it all year where he's in the weak side corner. And because the actions on the other side of the floor, he's able to slide middle, jump out in front of the driver. This time it's OG. Uh, OG drives strong side right lane. Brunson kind of stuns at him in front, and he takes the contact. Gets the whistle. So, Yeah, the defense has been good. Uh, just concerned a little bit about the rebounding. Not concerned, but annoyed with the rebounding of late. Um, but I expect it to bounce back, but it's going to have to against, against Milwaukee. Um, I'm also hoping that these wings in the starting lineup bounce back because the Knicks have two wings right now that are struggling uh, pretty bad. One of them struggling mightily. And that guy's name, we'll start with him, um, obviously, Quentin Grimes. Uh, he's, he's just, I mean, we, we have this conversation, I feel like, every night, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but he's just not cutting it right now. He's giving you nothing. Um, was he better last night? He got to the line some more, um, did some good things in the second quarter, a little more aggressive in the third quarter. But, I mean, the standards are, are getting pretty embarrassingly low. 
if we're calling last night better. Listen, I don't expect it, but if in a fantasy world Dante DiVincenzo was out there Tuesday night versus Milwaukee or quickly, whatever, I'm not mad. Um, And I understand why Grimes provides some value in the starting lineup, right? We, we talk about it a lot. You're able to keep him one pass away over on the strong side so the defense won't help onto Randall or Brunson because they have to worry about the three-point threat. But it's getting very tough. It's getting tougher and tougher to watch him every night put up zero points, three points, two points, and just not get it done. That's not like even Mitchell Robinson's gonna give you six, seven, eight points. And he has no bag. Like it's getting tough. And again, it's not gonna happen. Um, but maybe if the Knicks lose a couple of games this month and Grimes is still struggling, like we said, maybe that's when you see Tibbs make his one rotation change per year. Right. Um but yeah, I'm hoping he's healthy. Because I know he hurt the hand a week or so ago, whenever that was, earlier in the season. Um, yeah, it's painful. Um, and then the other wing, R.J. Barrett. Um, starting to come down to earth a little bit. I hate to say it, but I think the first week or so of games he played was just a hot start pre pre migraine RJ. We have the numbers here on the notes, 23 points per game, 49%, 50%, 85% foul line on five attempts a game from there. That was across seven games. Post migraine, also seven games down to 15 points, 34% field goals, 25% three, 82% free throw, five attempts a game from there. So he's not been good. Um, And because he's not been good, he's not closing games anymore. And I don't have a problem with that. I can't blame Tom Thibodeau. You got to go with the hot hand. Guys who've been hot, Hart, Dante, not RJ. Um, So I feel like we're at a point now with RJ where they're probably more bad games from him than efficient good games, right? Or or at least even. Um, If there's one positive that, you know, he's been consistent in playing defense this year, that remains solid. Um, And he's still getting to the line and converting. That also remains solid. Um, But the regressions... From three have been noticeable. I mean, you had last night Randall Brunson collapsing the defense on their drives, kicking out to RJ, wide open looks, but he just keeps missing them. Um, for me, that the, the concerning thing is the decision making on his drives. Right, that's the biggest concern for me because I never expected RJ to shoot forty five percent on his threes all year. Right, if he can maintain. which is, you know, league average. Great. Uh, And I think that's possible. But 
I need RJ being efficient on his drives. And right now he seems to be falling back into past tendencies, right? Forcing passes and tough shots at the rim. Um, That's exactly why he was so inefficient last year and in some years prior. And it's exactly why he was so efficient last playoffs and earlier this year because he wasn't making poor decisions on his drives. So I don't know what they have to do. I I think they, I listen, I don't know how to measure this, but just by the eye test, maybe there's you know, maybe there's some nerd site out there. Maybe it's on cleaning the glass. I don't know if it's on cleaning the glass. They have a lot of good stuff on there, but to me, the eye test tells me it feels like Tom Thibodeau is not running offense through RJ as much as he was earlier in the year. He's not really involving him and running him in as many actions as he was when his playmaking was a strength earlier this season. Um, there seems to be less pick and roll involving him, less pistol, less DHO. Um, I'd like him as a ball handler and a high horn set or even as a screener. For Brunson, and that'd be interesting to see in a horn set. Maybe he comes up with Mitch, they screen, and RJ's one of those guys. I mean, um, I just don't feel like there's been an emphasis on getting RJ into actions like there was earlier in the season when he was when he was going. Um, they did have him in a couple, you know, side pick and rolls, empty side pick and rolls in this game with Mitch later on in the third quarter with Hartenstein, but I still feel like we need more. Because those two possessions worked. They worked. When they put him in pick and roll last night, it worked. He found the lob twice. He found Mitch on the roll and then Hart on the roll. So, I just feel like the eye test is telling me he's not really been featured in half-court offense like he was, like in, 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 in sets, like he was earlier this season. But, speaking of wings and speaking of Quentin Grimes... There is a topic that has come up lately involving a specific wing um, in terms of trade talk. So we'll touch on this topic when we return from our break here on BD4. And ignore that score on the right, uh, on the screen. Um, I hope that wasn't there all. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot to change that graphic. But ignore it. Um, yeah, I have one. I have a, an individual that I want to talk about when we return from break. And if you're a Knicks fan who follows the team semi frequently, you you know who I'm talking about. So we're gonna head to break, and we'll talk about this dude when we return. Stay with us here on BD4. Be right back. If you have time in the day, or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. (sighs) Okay. The, um, is it me or like, does it feel like this? It's the same three players 
for the last, let's say, three, four years that the media puts out there constantly as potential trade candidates for the Knicks. It's always the same three guys. It's always Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, and the guy we're about to talk about, DeMar DeRozan. Um, two bulls and a wolf. <laughs> yeah, uh, the DeMar DeRozan rumors seem to be heating up once again. Um, and apparently Miami or New York are his preferred destinations uh, for when the Bulls inevitably blow it up. Which, first off, let's just take a minute to appreciate how nice it is to hear that there are players wanting to come to New York now, Kevin. Players who think it's cool, Kevin. Um, you know, you know, we've been kind of hearing rumors that Embiid and Mitchell prefer New York, and obviously that's... But, like, now you're hearing DeRozan. That's, like, the third guy in two years. So it's nice. It's just not, you know, it's nice to see the image of the New York Knicks completely 180 and flip from what it was just a few seasons ago where nobody wanted to come here. You know, it's, like, now become, hey, they're building something, and I'd like to be a part of it. So, uh, of course, you got to credit Leon Rose and the rest of the front office for bringing in Tom Thibodeau and all these guys to establish this new culture of continuity and consistency, right? And this new winning culture. But as far as wanting DeMar DeRozan to prefer New York, um, listen, DeMar DeRozan, good veteran all-star player, um, has had a nice career. Not Hall of Fame career, but has a you know has had a nice career. Uh, is definitely a legend in Toronto. I don't see him as a fit for this Knicks team currently. Um, and I'm not moving Grimes plus for a 34 year old rental who can't shoot or play a lick of defense anymore. Not that he was ever great there. And again, I respect DeMar DeRozan, but he's never won a damn thing in his life at the NBA level. Um, Never did it in Toronto. Hasn't gotten the Bulls anywhere past mediocrity since he was acquired by them. Um, Has a very negative track record in in postseason ball. But... To me, the first thing I always think of when I think of DeRozan is the lack of shooting, right? I always go back to the shooting. That's it for me. That's the only reason I need to say no um, is because the spacing in the half court would be a nightmare because you already have Brunson who likes to operate 15 feet and in. Um, Yeah, he's been killing a three-point ball this year, but okay, so you have RJ who's 15 feet and in. He's not a three-point sniper. You've got Randall, who's 15 feet and in. He's not a three-point sniper. you got Mitchell Robinson, too. And now you're replacing this spacing that Quentin Grimes brings just from being a threat alone with DeMar DeRozan, who operates, say it with me now, 15 feet and in. So, I mean, that makes, what, four guys who primarily operate around or right inside the key? 
I mean, I, I would hope that we learned from the Heat series, you know, that you really need at least three shooters in a starting lineup. And the Knicks have two right now as it is. One of them's not even hitting. So it's... And it's not like you can just move DeMar DeRozan to a bench role because he's still going to be playing next to RJ there uh, along with Josh Hart, who better lately, yes, but we all know about Josh Hart and the, the concerns that brings with his tendencies in the half court and what the defense tends to do when he's outside the three-point line. So to me, the Knicks have enough hesitant shooters as it is you can't add DeRozan in here, who's also afraid to shoot. I mean, the guy takes to a night. Um, he's also just another high-usage, isolation-heavy player. You know, you're putting that next to Randall, next to RJ, next to Brunson. How's that going to work? Someone's going to lose touches. Do you really want to mess with the chemistry? Do you really want to mess with the other side of it, too? The defensive synergy that the Knicks have with this starting five. They've been great together. The team defense, the the communicating, the way they've held it down on that side of the floor. It's been a pleasant surprise to get what they're getting out of that. We were concerned about the RJ Brunson Randall defensive trio this year. Well, two of them have played above average defense. Add Grimes and Mitch playing good defense. So I'm not messing with that. Um, I say no. Yeah, that's my short answer. I say no. No quick fixes. I'm good. The Knicks are in a spot where they can't do that. They are a the Knicks are a good competitive team who should be making two types of moves from here on out. A trade for a superstar player who actually moves the needle and gets you over the top, or an insurance trade to beef some things up, add some size, maybe not move the needle too much, but one that helps assure things don't go south, right? But a deal that would, one, gut your assets and capital, and two, get you someone who isn't taking you to the finals, that's the very last deal the Knicks should be making right now. It's the same reason I'd reject a Levine deal, a Carl Anthony Towns deal. I'm not moving Quentin Grimes in any picks, protected or not, for a you know, $28, $29 million aging all-star who they're going to have to re-sign, and he's never made it past the second round, I think one time in 15 years maybe. I'm not doing that. I mean, just imagine how bad of a look that'd be business-wise for Leon. I mean, just a year and a half ago, you hold back Grimes on the Mitchell deal, something that many fans are still enraged about. Others, maybe not so much, but you don't trade for Donovan Mitchell because you want to hang on to Grimes. So to then pivot, you know, a year and a half, whatever later, (laughs) and to move that same player you held back for Donovan Mitchell for DeMar DeRozan, oh my gosh, that'd be terrible. Like it would get Leon Kant the second the Knicks lose a playoff round. So if the Knicks really want more production at wing, at two guards specifically, I think the first thing they need to do is just maybe try swapping Grimes out for, again, quickly or Dante. Um, But if you want to eventually upgrade at wing for, again, some size, sure, I'm all for that. 
as long as it doesn't cost the king's ransom, I'm all for it. I'm saving my assets. I'm saving my picks for the home run move, whenever the fuck that might come. And that's a whole other topic. You know, when the hell is that going to happen? Will it ever happen? Who's coming? How are we doing this? But, you know, you can't wait forever. But that's a topic for another day. I'm not doing a move just to make a move because it's a big name. DeMar DeRozan is not somebody who's putting the Knicks over the top, but he's somebody who's going to cost you a whole lot of assets. So, no thank you. Um, Yeah, good win last night. Uh, and, and now we got some basketball ahead that's going to really tell who this Knicks team is. You got the tournament game next, which is why last night was so important, which is why this past week was important to go 3-0 against teams that they needed to go 3-0 against. Um, because the month of December, it's December 2nd as I speak, the month of December for the Knicks is going to be tough. It's actually statistically regarding win percentage, the toughest schedule of the month, the Knicks. They've got, in addition, three sets of back-to-backs, two more. Um, and of the 14 games they're going to play this month, only three of them will be at Madison Square Garden. So they're going to be on the road traveling. Get some sleep. Um, next week, Milwaukee in the quarterfinals. And then after that, it's one of Indiana or Boston. Regardless, win or lose. So, that's why the Knicks taking care of the three teams they beat this past week was so important. Because now you're 12-7 and seven, instead of being in danger of falling below 500. You, you can afford a loss and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Although, let's not even put that thought in our heads. Let's win. Big game against the Bucks coming up. <laughs> so, with that said, we'll head to our final break. Get back and wrap it up with our trivia. And I think we got a parlay for you, too, that we want to discuss. When we return from break, episode 587 of BD4, stay with us. Be right back. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 587 of BD4. Let's wrap this up with our trivia, and then we'll finish it off with our parlay after that. Let's get to our trivia first. Okay, so for this episode, episode 587, we got a true or false for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, true or false? As head coach of the Knicks, Mike Woodson's all-time winning percentage was at least 600. 
Is that true or false? True or false, as head coach of the Knicks, Mike Woodson's all-time winning percentage was at least 600. So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get it correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next show. True or false, as head coach of the Knicks, Mike Woodson's all-time win percentage was at least 600. And with that said, let's wrap this thing up with our parlay, shall we? Welcome to RJ's Parlay, where my degenerate self breaks down last night's parlay. If I hit, no, I fucked that up. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably just lose it all the next bet, because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's Parlay. Last night's parlay, we ran a four-pick same-game parlay at plus 490, and because... We only hit on three of the four. We lost yet again. I had the Knicks at plus two and a half. That hit. I had the Knicks on the, uh, I had the over 205 and a half, the alternate over. That hit. I had RJ Barrett going for over 24 and a half points, rebounds, assists. That hit. But as you can see, we did not win. Because the one bet that did not land, the one pick of this parlay that did not land was the Brunson over 35.5 points, rebounds, and assists. And guess how many he had combined? That's right, folks. He had 35. Don't you just love betting? Hey, listen, if you ever want a team to lose or win, just let me know. I'll bet for him. Anyway, that's it. We'll wrap it up there. Um, I continue to lose money during Christmas season, which is definitely ideal with a big, big, big Italian family who expects you to get stuff for them in Secret Santa. So that's nice. All right, let's wrap it up. I appreciate you all tuning in. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.